I think I should clean it. Do you have a wipe? I like to keep mine dirty, you know what I'm saying? Because then it's- Looks you know, like it's you- It's exactly. Yeah. I have a keyboard, like a, you know, one that's not attached and I take it and I'll turn it over and shake it. And like peanuts fall out, boogers and stuff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm Bert Collins. Hey, and I'm Eduardo Laureano. And this is five things that you can do with serverless. Thing number one, you can use serverless to manage your APIs. Now, if I already have an API, why would I want to use serverless to manage that? Well, because you're in the back end, you might have something that's serverless, but if your API management component isn't serverless, you're paying for that thing running all the time. And my APIs are not popular, so I don't want to be paying all the time. I don't know no, about mine yours. No, mine are not either. Just my mom and myself. Yeah. <laughs> so you want that to also be pay as you as it gets used, as well as not having to manage the infrastructure. At the same time, get all that nice stuff, you know, like you can do authentication, job token manipulation, money, um, do your own custom policy, or even caching of your API results. So you would use the Azure Functions to do all that, or do you need something else as well? So in the back, you could have Azure Functions, App Service, but the API management component, and there's Azure API management, now has a consumption offering. Which ah, equates which makes it serverless. Exactly. Right, because that's the benefit of serverless, is that you only pay for what you use. And if you're cheap like me, you don't even <laughs> want to pay for that. But if you got to pay for something, I guess it might... Might as well be only what you use. Exactly, yeah. And and you get the benefit of your backend now can be a royal mess, right? Whatever you want, because you have the API management in front. So for the developers, they're going to develop it against Burke's API. Right. It looks All good. they see is a single yeah. surface that's secure, protected. So in the background, there's like fires and screaming and gnashing the teeth. But in the front end, it's like a very formal, nice party. Absolutely. Wonderful. Yeah. Thing number two. You can use serverless to do long running jobs. Now, that sort of doesn't jive with my understanding of serverless because I thought serverless was something where the server sort of pops up, does something, and then goes back down, and that's why you don't get charged. It seems to me like if you were doing something long running, that that would defeat the purpose of serverless. So what's an example of a long running task? <sighs> long running tasks like Humans, for instance, they're not predictable when they're going to provide input or something. That's true. So, <laughs> very unpredictable. So imagine, like, I think the most classic example is like two-factor authentication, where you know you got that code on your phone and you have right. to enter that code in a different UI. Yes, unfortunately, I know all about two-factor authentication. And when that code comes, you get busy with whatever. I don't know, right. Well, your dogs running Watching around YouTube, or something. Right. <laughs> So what you want to do is you want to have the function wait for that human input, although it's a variable length of time. So it's sort of a break, like you said, on the serverless purest paradigm, but it's needed for real-world scenarios. So, but then don't, aren't I paying for that thing to run that entire time? Doesn't that defeat the purpose of serverless? That's the brilliance of it. Like us and I work on the Azure Functions team, we implemented this thing called durable functions, which is an extension to the normal functions. What it does is, as you execute functions, it keeps a state of what has happened. And when that state changes, the orchestrator that's manipulating all these function executions wakes up and executes. So the idle time, when you're truly waiting for the human to enter their four-digit code, you're not paying for that. That's crazy. So it's a long-running process that you're not paying for unless the process is actually doing something. Exactly right. So kind of smart. Did you think of that? Uh, it wasn't me, but no, it wasn't your idea. should I take credit yeah, for it? Yeah, go ahead and take credit yeah. for it. It was me and Burke. Um, yeah. For people. yeah, it was our um, idea. Yeah. 
Thing number three, your containers can be serverless. But I thought it was more like either you would have serverless or you would have containers and then fight. Fight to the death between serverless and containers. It, had, it used to be like that. We used to go to serverless conferences like this one. And if you mention the word containers, they would throw tomatoes at you. Right. Just kick you out. You're yeah, out. Yeah. Code of conduct violation. Get out. <laughs> and then we evolved as a, as a serverless community and figured out there are scenarios where not only you want to provide your application code, but you want to provide your own container because that's the way you manage your environment. You put your own dependencies. You want those dependencies to be everywhere you go and carry over with you. So we want that crowd to also get the benefits of serverless. So, right. But how does that work exactly with Azure Functions? I thought with Azure Functions, you're just writing a function. So where, do the, where does the container come in? So that's interesting. As we started exploring, we started with functions as in you just provide your code and we run on you know virtualized Windows environment initially. But then we started going towards Linux, to more native Linux workloads such as Python. Right. For that, what we did was we run the functions on a container. So you can either give us your code, we put it in a container, we'll host it for you, or you can say, hey, I want my own container. So you pick the functions-based container, add your own custom stuff, the stuff that Burke always uses, machine learning model, I don't know what you use, but you can package that all up and send it to us and we'll host that for you. And you run functions as you will, respond to events, scale as needed, but now it's a container. But now it's running as a container. Yeah. So it's not a fight to the death. So you can have your functions and you can have your containers and you can all go to the same conference too. <laughs> Would you be interested in a Google cluster? Huh. You know, I never had them, but I did know this is something you offer people that come here. So yes. I got Avanas, Alpha Horus. Are you suggesting that we should not eat a Google cluster? I, I suggest you try something that's more global for your global audience. Okay. That's from Argentina. All right, let's give it a shot. What do we got? Yeah. Ooh, the packaging is very nice. You might never go back to Google clusters. Oh man, that's really good. Who wins the battle? I don't know that I can say. Google clusters versus Alpha Horus. Alpha, Alpha Horus. You buy them both. You try. Uh, and as soon as Google clusters sponsors the show, I will officially say that it tastes <laughs> better than Alpha Horus. Thing number four is observability. What is observability? I think it's something people came up with that sounds cooler than monitoring. So it's monitoring, but it's what the cool kids say. It's more encompassing. So why is it that, why it's so hard about monitoring serverless? I think it comes from the nature of distributed applications, like microservices. Okay. Where you have all these different, your applications comprised of all these different pieces of code that talk to each other asynchronously to make it harder. You never know when it's running. And the end of the day, something fails, and you're like, where did this thing fail in my and pipeline? And it's impossible to know where exactly the problem is. It is super hard, yeah. So, so what at school is now, we, we know there's a problem, and talk about it in the conferences. So we built components to help you diagnose those. So with Application Insights, you've used Application Insights, super cool. Yes. It has all this, aggregates your metrics, has all this rich query language, but they also build a distributed trace and they render that to you in an application map. Oh, so like a visual representation of all your serverless, your microservices architecture so that you can see where something failed. Absolutely. Not only you see, the way they do it is they put like 
the little circles on your application, but they put on the arrows, the events that go from one app to the other. So let's oh. say your functions talk to each other over service bus queue. It will show the service bus queue. Because sometimes your problem is not on the compute, it's on the eventing stream too. Right. And to point out, hey, you had this many errors here. You can double click and you're gonna get a full stack trace and say, hey, this event originally was from Burke's function, went to my function, someone else's function, and we'll find someone else's function. It's gonna be my function, yeah. Yeah. I don't write bad code. <laughs> it's not my problem, it's probably your problem. That's what I'm saying. I write, I heard this, that you only write 10 production quality lines of code a day. Really? I only write 10 lines of code a day. <laughs> so I'm super productive. Wanna hire me on the functions team? Uh, let's talk offline. Okay. <laughs> Thing number five, DevOps. How do DevOps and serverless correlate? Well, serverless, is, we talk about, it's all about don't worry about things. All the worries are taken away. But in reality is, you still should be diligent when you put your code in production. I bet you are diligent when you put your code I'm in production. Always. I like to put my code in production on Fridays at around five and then just go home for the weekend. And straight to production, no just, gatekeeping. No, uh-uh. No middleman, just right Raw. in. Yeah. yeah. It works well for you, it seems, but we recommend that you really configure your pipeline. Like you do pick your code, let's say you scan for vulnerabilities. You probably heard like recently, oh, yeah. like JavaScript developers were all Yeah, there was an NPM. Or you, there's an NPM package that you can use. It's called uh, SNYK Snake. <laughs> there's a partner, Snake. Snake. They, they do scanning on, on the uh, one of the two. Snake. Snake. Maybe. <laughs> what you want to do is you want to like do all these things in pipeline, like your test, your test harness, you can plug in, put your tests in there to prevent code from going to production when it shouldn't, and go to the right spot at the right time, and all of that. So for that, you have in Azure DevOps, you have Azure Pipelines, and you can configure Azure Pipelines to work with functions. So you get your code, which is functions code, you do the necessary steps that you can custom configure in your pipeline, and have functions as a target where your code's gonna eventually land ah, Azure so, functions in the cloud. So just because you're using serverless doesn't mean that you shouldn't still be doing DevOps the way that you would when you deploy any web application. It's exactly. just the right thing to do. It, yes, if you have a complex application and going to production, you do want to configure a DevOps. So I'm line. not gonna tell you how to live your life, but Eduardo is, and you should use DevOps with your Azure functions. You, de you definitely should. Yeah. All right, man, good show. Excellent. Let's high five our way out of this thing. Let's do it. All right. Oh, I didn't expect that to work. I'm Burke Holland. I'm Eduardo Laureano. And now you know five things that you can do with serverless. And I have no idea where we are. It is cold. Oh, hold me. <laughs>